Daniel Plainview is as good a character as you ever get to play, despite the fact that he has played an array of incredible characters from John Proctor, Reynolds Woodcock, Christy Brown, uh, Jerry Conlon from In the Name of the Father, which I think is such an underrated film when it comes to Daniel Day-Lewis's performance. And I still, I mean, I'm not big on Oscars, but if you had to give anybody the award for Best Actor that year, I think Daniel Day-Lewis was the top contender. But anyway, I really want to talk about There Will Be Blood as the first introductory episode of this new podcast. Well, it's not really an introduction given the fact that I did make prior episodes, but this is more of a a restart given that the audio in those prior episodes was terrible. And and yes, I've already deleted them. I have them saved up if anybody actually does want me to send them because the audio is laughably bad and uh, I just don't want to see those on my channel again. Anyway, There Will Be Blood is a 2007 film directed by Paul Thomas Anderson as well as written by Paul Thomas Anderson. It stars Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul Dano. It is based and adapted from the Upton Sinclair novel from 1927, Oil. Now, There Will Be Blood is really one of the most fascinating films I've ever seen because when I saw the trailer, aside from having a very dark tone, there was something neutral about that darkness because it didn't over-dramatize itself while at the same time, it wasn't afraid to go into to into very unusual territory. And what I mean by that is, it all relates back to a quote from an interview Daniel Day-Lewis had on Charlie Rose and what he felt about Daniel Plainview, the character he played, and how it was an honest depiction of a life. And I'll get more into that later on in this review, but I think what he means by that, when you, I think you can relate that back to the trailer in itself, because in a lot of ways, the fi- the trailer of the film both works to con- just portray Daniel Plainview and his ambi- and his ambitious rise to power in such a neutrally unjudgmental way, while at the same time showing the detrimental aspects of it. I mean, this is a story of pure ambition and how it can destroy you. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious, and I think that There Will Be Blood doesn't condemn it so much as show the negative side effect of how much it can corrupt and overtake you if you allow it to, especially when you have an ultimate goal. And for those who haven't seen There Will Be Blood, it's really the story about an oil man's rise to power and how it basically corrupts and destroys his sense of humanity. I mean, this film does work as a critique of capitalism and religion and how they blend together from time to time. And even though uh, that is a fascinating subject about There Will Be Blood, I think it's been talked about too much. That I think that the aspect of ambition and what it can really do to a person when they're is an end goal and once it's achieved because as I mentioned there will be blood is the story of Daniel Plainview who is who starts out as a silver prospector and over the course of the film he discovers oil in a small town in little Boston California I mean he's tipped off by the son by the son of one of the members of of that town and told that there's oil there, and he goes there, and he meets the family of that young man, and he find, meets his twin brother, who happens to be an evangelical minister, and a rather extreme old-school one. Well, I wouldn't say the movie portrays him extreme so much as ridiculous, given the fact that a lot of the things he does say are ridiculous, and I hope I'm not, atta- I hope I'm not being offensive to anyone who is religious, because I don't think this film works to attack religion per se so much as the extremist aspects of it and Paul Dano's character Eli Sunday is in a lot of ways extreme when he says that not everybody can be saved and not only through Jesus Christ they can find salvation which I've always found to be a biased way of judging other people but 
That being said, it just shows the negative side effects of both capitalism and religion when taken to extreme measures. And through the char- two characters who you could say are very deceptive and vulgar. I mean, Eli Sunday is portrayed as, in comparison to Daniel Plainview, is con- portrayed as a much more wholesome, plain, clean, kind-hearted young man. He's basically got the face of a puppy, of a kind-hearted puppy who whines, like all the other characters Paul Dano has played. I had to say that because, you know, I love Paul Dano as an actor. He's really talented, but there's just never been a movie where he doesn't go whining off like he's being tortured, which can be both terrifying and funny. Just watch Half of Prisoners. But back to his character, and there will be blood, and how he's portrayed as this very wholesome and decent evangelical minister, which is a good face for them to have whenever they want to s- they want to get followers. But when you see him in private with his family in one particular scene, there's something inherently demonic and even gremlin-like about it, how he attacks his father in such a way that is not only domineering, but it manages to terrify his other family members. Now, Daniel Plainview is very much the same way demonic in that he is an open. He, in pri- despite the fact that he is portrayed as a salesman with a great deal of showmanship, which he has to in order to captivate audiences into selling his services and believing the sincerity of what he really wants to do, because he claims that in discovering oil, he really wants to help the town of Little Boston, California rise to much more economically solvent means. But that never really happens, obviously, because after all, he's a bullshit salesman. He's deceptive. But I guess you could say you can like Daniel more than Eli because. Despite the fact that they they both work as con men, they're equally at the same time. One of them is more honest with themselves about what they are, while Eli Sunday deludes himself. And I'll talk about that more later on when I regard the f- ending of the film, because this dissection of "There Will Be Blood" is very inter- is very m- meaningful to me, because this is one of my favorite films of all time, and I really do want to give the best description of the film I have, because. I'm not an intellectual. I never. St- I haven't started studied economics. I haven't. I'm not very well versed on the war between capitalism and religion. But I can see the hypocrisies and the downsides when both sides are taken to extremes. Now, going back to Daniel Plainview and how there is a greater sense of acceptance in regarding how demonic he is, and how just like Eli, how him and Eli are no different because. Even though Eli gathers a lot of members for his church using bizarre methods and making outrageous claims like the devil can cause a person's arthritis while having weird displays where he flails his arms around like a maniac, you can tell that he deludes himself in really believing this, while Daniel Plainview is merely playing the role of a showman who really wants to help cultivate his community, well, the community that he's currently living in, because he basically sets up shop in Little Boston, California with his members. We know of his work team, and what's most fascinating is that he knows that he, who he is, that he's a liar, that he's a bullshitter, but he justify it for, justifies it through his own misanthropy. And one of my favorite scenes in the film is when he's talking to his brother, or his fake his fake brother, because in the film you later see that he has a, that he meets a man claiming to be his brother, but he's really impersonating a brother he really had but never knew about, and he tells him that. He hates most people. He's angry. He sees the worst in people. He doesn't have to look past to get all he needs to know about people. And even though that is a very horrifying thing to say, you can understand when it co- where it comes from, especially with the fact that he's honest about it. Because 
This goes back to the honest, the honesty aspect Daniel Day-Lewis talked about in his Charlie Rose interview because it's an honest depiction of a life. It's not that scene isn't meant to condemn Plan Daniel Plainview so much as depict him as honestly as he is as he as it can be because he's a very complicated man. And even though I've never read Upton St. Clair's novel Oil, I read The Jungle, which is a great book, and I'll even put a link down below as well as links to the trailer of this film and several interviews and analysis if you want to get a better perspective of this film because I think that in watching There Will Be Blood, even on multiple occasions, there's so much to discuss, and watching multiple analysis of it can be very helpful. Anyway, going back to the honesty aspect, Daniel Plainview is a highly complicated man, and when you look at him, and without judging him, you understand that there are a lot of hints to suggest that there's more to him than what you see, or the film tries to depict. He drinks a lot. He... He seems very distant from people, despite the fact that there are tender moments where he's seen with his son, H.W. Plainview, who we later later get the idea that he used him as a prop just to to improve his salesmanship skills because H.W. Plainview isn't even his real son. He's more of an adopted son who, who came from a worker of his that died in one of the oil wells he used to produce back in the early aspect of the film because this film takes place from 1898 till, I think, 19... 27 and over the course of that Daniel Plainview had an oil well that was producing a moderate amount of oil and as a result one of his workers died he had a baby son he decided to take him and the opening of this film has no dialogue whatsoever but he just adopts the son and you can get the idea that he loves him but at the same time uses him and in the end of the film after he's achieved everything he's ever wanted all the money status power he tells his son, who is significantly older because it takes place at the end in 1927, that he just adopted him because he needed a sweet face to sell himself. You can tell this just out of bitterness because of how distant he's become from his son because in the midpoint of the film, the they discover oil, but his son gets injured when the oil well explodes and it causes deaf, him, him deafness and Daniel Plainview just leaves him there just to attend to the oil well. I mean, yes, he expresses compassion, he rescues him, but then he leaves him there rather than staying with his son during a very traumatic moment. I mean, losing your hearing can be a horrifying experience. And even though he does try and comfort him, the fact that he sends him away rather than staying by his side and treating him just illustrates both the good and the bad within Daniel Plainview because I think he really did love his son. I think that... Despite his open confession of hating humanity, there is a part of him that longs for connection. And I think another scene that is very underrated within the film is the m- part where he grabs the daughter of the no, the sister of Eli Sunday, Mary Sunday, who is like H.W.'s uh, age. And it's noted early on in the film that her father beats her because she doesn't pray. And he even grabs her. There you are, Mary. Are you happy that I came? And she says yes, and then he just repeatedly says, Daddy doesn't hit you anymore. Does he? Don't worry. I'll take care of you. No more hitting. Yes, I know. I'm giving it under the Day-Lewis impersonation, but I do love that scene because there is something tender about it at the same time because 
As much as we grow to find disgust with Daniel, those tender moments illustrate the aspects of humanity that were within him, that he wasn't as sociopathic as people, well, a lot of critics have interpreted him to be. I mean, you could say that he is an embodiment, a dark embodiment of Nietzsche's Ubermensch in a lot of ways. He tries to, he, he does achieve his goal all by himself. So a sense of self-overcoming despite his circumstances. And this is brilliantly illustrated as well in the beginning scene where he's just a silver, a lone silver prospector where he gets injured and breaks his leg. But despite that, in discovering the piece of silver that is worth a lot of money, he decides to crawl all the way to the next town to sell it, to, to get it manufactured and sold. And he stands and he just lies on the ground waiting for the process to be completed rather than trusting it in the hands of people he doesn't know. And he and they literally showed him crawling to the town, not the entire experience, but enough to illustrate how far he has to go. And I remember listening to an interview with Quentin Tarantino talking about the, how that itself could be a movie. And I could believe that. I mean, it would probably be the shortest feature length. It depends on the distance. But the fact that he's willing to go that far and ex and demonstrate a sense of self-overcoming illustrates how Nietzschean Daniel Plainview is. Now, Nietzsche's idea of the Obermensch, oh, the Superman, was portrayed as an individual that transcended the boundaries of humanity, had their own moral code. Now, you could argue that, that moral code is either good or bad. It's basically their own set of values. And Daniel Plainview does have his own set of values. I mean, he has both good and bad parts. And again, that goes back to what Daniel Day-Lewis said about this being an honest depiction of a life. He's, you can't say he's all good or all bad. He is just, he just is. He's a human being. He's a true human being that, in that it's being depicted as honestly as possible with, with both a sense of condemnation, uh, of justification, I wouldn't say justification, so much as understanding and sympathy while at the same time judgmental condemnation. In either case, I think that at the end of the f by the end of the film, you can tell that he's reached a low point when he's achieved everything you want, and this also pertains to something Daniel Day Lewis said about how, and what Paul Thomas Anderson said as well. I'll, I'll go back to the Day Lewis point in a moment because I like that what Paul Thomas Anderson said to Elvis Mitchell in a radio interview for "There Will Be Blood" that you can bring you could take a boy to the m you can bring a put a boy in the mine shaft no you can take a boy into the mine shaft but you can't take the mine shaft out of the boy, and in a lot of ways, that can be interpreted as a metaphorical emphasis on how an artist can get really get into an art. And you can really put, put a young per, put a person who is impressionable into some artistic endeavor, but you can't take them out of it once it's gotten them. Basically, someone who is artistic can be can embrace their, their, their creativity in such a way that it never really leaves them and that it becomes their passion. And obviously, Daniel Plainview's passion is his is his ability as an oil man. I mean, he's a great showman, but he just loves to work. And even in the middle of the film, when the when Standard Oil friend like to offers to buy up the land that he's trying to drill, and they they can make him a millionaire on a regular basis, he literally asks them, "Well, what do I do with myself?" I mean, he's obviously doing it. He wants to earn enough money that he can get away and have his own life and privacy. But at the same time. You get the greater sense that he is doing this because he is good at it and he loves it. I mean, he wants to make a lot of money, but at the same time, he just can't. And by the end of the film, when he's achieved everything he's wanted, he's gotten the house, all the money, God knows how much he has, 
enough that he's constantly making large amounts of money, enough to rub into Eli Sunday's face. He has no real purpose left. He's just become a bitter old man, shooting and breaking things in his mansion with no purpose, completely secluded from humanity. And that's one of the dangers of ambition, because if you have an end goal rather than the work itself, something you're passionate about, that can be very detrimental. I mean, I'm a writer, and I like to write every day, and whether I'm making money from it or not is not the point. As long as I can continue to create on a daily basis, I feel ultimately fulfilled. And I hope anybody who has an artistic endeavor that they're pursuing in life has that same mentality, because if your goal is just to become rich or super famous or achieve some form of status or validation from others, that kind of dehumanizes you and at the same time insults the work you're doing regardless of what it is i i just don't see that i just don't see what you can be achieved from that and daniel day lewis illustrated that the work itself should be about it that's what there will be blood captures beautifully in a very tragic way but at the same time in a way that also illustrates the kind of director Paul Thomas Anderson is. He has made such great films as Boogie Nights, The Master, Phantom Fred, which I will be talking about soon. I think I will be doing a, a Paul Thomas Anderson series where I'm just going over all of his films in order. Not in order, but, you know, one after the other, and I'll move on to another director. But what I love about his films is that the honesty they depict about the characters he displays and their, and their complicated nature. And in the case of Daniel Plainview... You can't. I don't think you can get a, a, anything as good as this because I don't want to spoil anymore. I mean, I only want to give minor, minor spoilers in talking about this film review or dissection, whatever you want to call it. I mean, this is just a revival episode for this podcast, but I just want to make it as good as possible because There Will Be Blood is one of my favorite movies. I highly recommend it. I'll attach links down below. I hope you all enjoyed this review, and uh, please check out my podcast.